Hello, everyone, and welcome to Teach Right, the podcast for first-time instructors, experienced instructors, and anyone else interested in learning how to teach writing. I'm Daniel Anderson, and we're coming to you from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. We have three guests with us today, and let me have them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny Horton, and I'm a first-year PhD student here at UNC Chapel Hill, and this is my first time teaching English 105. Hi, I'm Krista Telford. I'm a second-year student here at UNC Chapel Hill, and this is also my first time teaching. My name is Brennan. I'm also a second-year student and also my first time teaching. Well, welcome, everyone. We have uh, assessment, I think, is a broad way of talking about our focus for today. And we read an article called ePortfolio as Curriculum by Kathleen Blake Yancey. And um, in that article, there's a lot of emphasis on reflection. So let's start with that. How important is reflection to teaching writing? And what kinds of strategies have, have you employed in terms of reflection? The strategies that I've employed so far this year have been minimal. Um, we've done a little bit of kind of group discussion of reflection, of um, reflection on the class processes, what kind of what worked, what hasn't, what they felt comfortable moving forward. Um, I've gotten some, there are spaces for, they're not required spaces for reflection uh, in response to like feedback I give um, on written assignments. So I've gotten a few people who have responded to that and have thought through that. Um, and generally I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of built into the structure of building up these assignments, but it isn't something that I have, um, explicitly employed though. It is something that I am thinking about in, in reading this article, I was thinking about my own undergraduate experience, um, who I've, I've never taken a writing course. I went to liberal arts school and it was, it was kind of just, a thrown into the deep end on it, but there was, um, it was status quo to have a reflection worksheet at the end of every class where essentially you you rebuilt the syllabus. You, you wrote all of the things that you read both for class and in the like attached independent studies we did and kind of um, built out almost uh, an intellectual narrative of your journey through the classroom. Um, which I found very annoying at the time and very helpful in hindsight um, in terms of thinking about like what the actual process was. And so I'm thinking uh, about at the end of 105, building some sort of holistic reflection like that, a reflection that, that can uh, is not based on specific works, but it's based on the kind of journey between works, um, something that I think could be, could be helpful. Yeah, Brennan, I kind of agree. Uh, reflection so far has taken on less of a prominent role in my course than I intended for it to. And I think back to the um, statement of purpose that I submitted along with my application, I was thinking so much about process in that statement, about how much I wanted to integrate reflection into my course. And it's so funny because when I had to actually sit down and make a syllabus, I started thinking about what I wanted to accomplish each day. And we've kind of like raced through, not raced through, but the first two units of the course have just gone by really fast. And so after reading this article, I thought, oh my gosh, 
and reflection is something that I have not devoted enough time to. So in future semesters, I really want to incorporate um, a reflection activity or assignment, not a big enough assignment to where it becomes a feeder assignment, but some sort of writing assignment in each of the units where students are reflecting on what they've learned in the unit and how they might transfer those skills outside of the course. Um, But now I've kind of revised my unit three final assignment. So they're gonna be writing a personal narrative and I've shortened the length of that narrative a bit and I'm gonna ask them or have asked them um, as of, uh, I guess, Monday, to submit a longer reflection um, along with the narrative. So I've tried to emphasize the role of reflection um, more than I had initially planned to in the final unit of the course in some ways to make up for not having done as much as I would have liked to in the early units, but also just to encourage them to really take the time to think carefully and critically about the skills that they've learned And by, in some ways, shortening the length of the narrative, I'm hoping that that will encourage them to invest, you know, if not equal time, more time and effort into that reflection assignment, since it's something they're going to be submitting during exam week with their final assignment for the unit. Yeah, so I think like both of you are saying, um, reflection was kind of taking a, it was taking the back burner until it couldn't anymore. So I came to my um, podcast unit and my students all recorded their their podcast, but there's not really a way to, you can edit a recording, but you can't really revise it. So they all had this response. And for many people, this was their first time recording a podcast. They all had this response immediately after recording where they were like, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done this. So it became um, immediately evident that they needed a space to talk about what would they have done differently, what did they learn, and to kind of have that closure with something that they can't actually go back and change. Um, so I added just, it's I just added it as a short like daily assignment to kind of reflect on what they liked, what they thought was effective, maybe what challenges they encountered, what choices they made, um, and then maybe some skills that they think they were able to exercise. And then I also created a space for them to give me feedback on the assignment if there was something they wish that I provided that was different. Um, so yeah, now that really showed me, I think, the importance of having that reflective aspect built in, even maybe when it's less obvious, like with more of a standard writing assignment. But I think that non-traditional project kind of made me aware. Um, and we can move on from this if you all want, but I do have a question, a challenge that I'm encountering sort of with these reflective strategies that I'm trying, which is that they kind of write these reflections for me rather than for themselves. So I think a really standard example of that is when you ask them to reflect on their engagement or their participation. And the ones who have been participating very, very well will say like, oh, I deserve like a B or maybe like a B minus. And then the ones who have not been participating will be like, yeah, an A. And so there's that's one issue of this sort of like lack of connection or maybe, I don't know, self-awareness to an extent. But then the other issue is I haven't received these reflections about the podcast yet, but I get a sense that they're going to be saying like, I exercised this skill and I really loved this aspect because they're writing it for me. Whereas when I hear them talking, I had a student say yesterday, no one is going to listen to this recording. And I'm like, I would love for that to be something that's appearing in the reflection is you have this belief that there's no audience for this or that no one's going to listen to it. And maybe I'm jumping the gun because I haven't seen these yet, but I just, I have a feeling that they're going to be overall positive because they're writing it for me. So I wasn't sure if that's something that you guys have encountered 
how do you give them a space to reflect more deeply than let me explain what I want my teacher to know and then move on? Um. That's a good question, Krista. And I was actually sort of thinking about that, starting to think about that early this morning, because as I was getting dressed, I got an email. Um, I'm sure you guys probably got the same one about course evaluations. Mm. And so I think that there's reflection that happens there too. I guess it's more evaluative though, like for, you know, about the professor or the course, but that audience is really clear. Like I, when I fill out course evaluations, I always am kind of writing to the professor that I know is going to be reading it. Um, and yeah, like I, I share that kind of same question, like how, when we are going to be reading the reflections, how do we make it clear that they're intended to help students, not so much us? And that's something I might need to think through a bit more since I am going to be including that reflection piece along with the final assignment. I don't necessarily want students to think I'm going to be grading them based on how well they reflect. So... I think maybe making that distinction, at least for me and my assignment, is something that I really need to to do, which I hadn't actually really thought about before you asked that question. So I'm really glad that you did. Um, this is something I've been thinking about a little bit. I think one way to approach that is to um, – we had a guest come and speak in our class today who mentioned something that really stuck with me about strategic self-disclosure. Um, in transparency in terms of what you do and do not actually care about in the classroom, why the way that things are operating the way that they are, um, which gives students a uh, kind of a freedom instead of, because this is a false expectation, right? If they're, I mean, I assume, I certainly am not someone who is interested in uh, asking a student to give a reflection that involves some sort of grading of their own that involves, I think this is why I was talking about kind of narrative and journey-based reflections, which are not about, um, you know, what did I do well? What did I not do well? But what have I learned? Because I think that often the, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Distances them from the actual work of what they've done. So the idea of like someone grading their own project really kind of, I think is counterintuitive to the, to the like benefit that's, available to reflection. Um, so something like uh, strategic self-disclosure, which is something that I've been, I've realized that I've been doing a lot in my class of being like, this is what I care about. This is what I don't care about. Like you, as long as you are operating earnestly in this classroom, your grade will reflect that. Like as long as you are doing these kinds of things, I'm not, uh, and I, I've told them this multiple, multiple times, I'm not a stickler for any sort of like almost anything um, but that that as long as I see like an earnest effort as long as we can talk about these things together as long as we can like have conversations and work through what you're doing and what you're learning then like we are good um, that's something that I've tried to emphasize in my classroom from the beginning and I think that I would have no issue if I if I asked for a reflection of some kind I don't think I'd have very many students just in terms of the conversations we've had um, who would take that kind of approach of, of presentational in a sort of way. Um, also because we've done kind of reflections on, on the class structure through, we've done anonymous feedback forms, we've done all sorts of kind of anonymous and hopefully earnest feedback from the students based on the course structure, as well as from myself when we do something 
and no one's interested or it falls kind of flat or I'm just not on today. I mentioned that, you know, like I, I worked through this. We, we did an activity and I was like, so that sucked. You guys all hated that. We didn't get where we were supposed to go. Here's why I was doing it. Here's why I think it didn't work. Um, how do you feel? You know, so it, oh, just consistently opening spaces for like honest communication, um, I think can have a large impact on the way that these assignments are perceived. Yeah, I agree. I think just separating out that evaluation piece and like you're suggesting, that's kind of like a long process that you have to be thinking about from the start. I think that's helpful. I, I really like what I'm hearing because it's complicating the initial just putting reflection on the table and talking about it. I'm hearing reflection as a process hmm. um, and could happen informally, like even in the moment when an assignment isn't clicking and you stop and you say, why isn't this working? This is what I was trying. And you're just kind of involved in that. But then I'm also hearing it as more distinct and more formalized linked up with typical rhetorical strategies like thinking about audiences and genres in some ways. So if is who's the reflection for? Is it for the student learner um, or for the instructor? What's the purpose of it? And sorting all that out, I think, is is really useful because I think it allows us to think of reflection um, in a flexible way that could be molded and used in some situation in one way and in another situation in another way. So this seems really fruitful. One challenge, I think, is people typically kind of tack reflection on to assignments. We did the assignment. We did the unit. Now we pause and look back. But are there ways in which the reflections themselves then could become the focus or become the project. Um, I'm trying to think through how to kind of push this to the next level. I think I might even be um, referring to something you left in a discussion board comment, Jenny, but I think, um, and we encountered this idea in a reading as well, but having them make these goal statements prior to an assignment, and this isn't like a, a catch-all solution, but if they're thinking about what do I want out of this, and then the reflection is more their own response to their own goals. So again, I think that would maybe potentially um, establish um, themselves as kind of the audience. If they set these goals and they're thinking through kind of the progress they made on them, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jenny, but is that something that you kind of have been thinking about, those sort of goal statements? Yeah, I thought about, um, yeah, as I was thinking about how I'm starting to think ahead to next semester and like what changes I want to make. And I was thinking about next semester having students either in every unit, but definitely like or just in the first, you know, the first unit of the course, spending time setting goals for themselves. And um, while I don't know that I want to devote, or I, I don't know how I would or how, what, you know, if it would be possible to devote like a feeder assignment to like, you know, the process of goal setting or personal reflection, I at least would like to devote um, a class period during the first week of the semester to, you know, kind of a day structured around reflection. And I see that, you know, one of those activities, you know, if we did three activities that day, one of them being a goal setting activity and maybe sharing in groups for accountability. So that might be a way to kind of, I guess, centralize the practice of reflection um, without making it necessarily something that's graded or like a feeder assignment. I was also thinking about, 
we did at the beginning of the semester, I, I think our, our second class, they all sent me an email based on things they wanted to get out of the class. We did, you know, the, the kind of classic questions, what's your relationship to writing? What do you, what could you improve at in writing? What do you want to improve at? What do you want out of this class? Those kinds of things. Um, but I haven't mentioned it since purposefully in hopes that at some point towards the end of the semester, the days start becoming more about drafting and conferencing because this is their their longest and most kind of serious essay yet. Um, and I want them to have that kind of flexibility to work and that time to work through the end of this unit as exam season approaches. So I'm thinking about taking one of those days and working on a kind of narrative reflection um, based less on on goals at first and starting them thinking about like discoveries. What discoveries have they made? What surprised them as they've gone through this? What have they found out um, about their relationship to writing, about their relationship to what they want to do here, about all of these things? Starting with that and then potentially introducing the goals they had originally set. Because I, I mean, they set these goals, they were, it was August of their freshman year of college. You know, I, I want to make sure that they have the space for change that they don't feel like they have to have to maintain some sort of constancy across the semester. So in terms of thinking about about how reflection can work in this way, starting with discovery and then moving back and looking at the old goals and seeing like, do your goals still match up? Did you get what you wanted out of this course? Did you get something else? Like what, how do these kinds of things match up? Um, I just get a little worried thinking about imposing constancy on a class or students, especially in, in a course like this, which is my students have almost free reign of topics, um, you know, within each unit um, so that they can hopefully discover things about what they want to do. And maybe I've had students who have kind of came in right, being like, all I do is science. Um, my first unit is a kind of is public writing science with a larger issue. And then the second is social sciences. And by the time we're there, they're like, rolling on the social science train like this is actually what they care about is how these things impact not like what they are that's part of why i've been thinking about um, narrative or journey-based reflections is less about kind of meeting goals and more about i don't know allowing for discovery i like the idea brennan of using reflection incorporating it in ways that feel um, intuitive throughout the course but kind of having this like bookend structure at least as a starting point, like starting with an email, I'm thinking you could even potentially like have them respond to their previous email and like copy you. Um, and I like the way also that like email format genre, because it is kind of like a discussion post, it's inherently going to be, well, not necessarily, not always, but I think most students perceive that genre as less formal than, you know, uh, like a Word document or a Google Doc, a paper that they're submitting to you for, you know, often a grade. Um, so I really like the idea, the email idea. I think I might take that from you yeah. <laughs> with your permission, of semester. One thing from the Yancey article that I noticed is they were very deliberate about configuring some of these reflections. There was one segment where they were instructing students to take Project A and reflect on it in terms of Project B, and then cross-reference that with Project C, and really trying to um, facilitate, I think, synthesis or drawing of connections, those kinds of things. So I'm wondering if, in many ways, um, 
being super deliberate about what we're asking students to do in reflections could be really helpful. And that question can be on the table. But the other one that jumped out at me from the piece was they were talking about teaching portfolios. And these were portfolios that instructors would put together for accreditation. But the idea was other instructors would read it. So, so far, we've talked about an audience of either the instructor or the student themselves and the reflections working that way. But, you know, what are some of the possibilities for being really deliberate about, you know, facilitating connections or doing something very specific or even turning this into some other kind of document that is aimed outside of the classroom in some ways? I was thinking about this in terms of the example you mentioned in, in your first question of, of uh, what is it? What does document A to B to C look like? What does document B to A to C look like? I found that very interesting in, in terms of thinking about these two different modes of reflection we're thinking about because uh, to me in the first year writing seminar, it's, it, 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 is, it is about discovery and it's about learning. And it's about these sorts of things. Um, it's less about what it is for, I think, putting a teaching portfolio or any sort of portfolio together, which is about presentation of a self, right? It's the looking at versus looking through distinction that, that they make in this article, whereas uh, in a teaching portfolio, you are looking at the materials, but you're also looking through to being like, who is this candidate? Who is this instructor? Um, what are the kind of core presuppositions undergirding these projects? Which I found helpful to think about in my own work and as I put things together. And I mean, I have a little bit of a creative background and I, one of my favorite things to do is like looking at friends like portfolio websites and like the way that they track and like the way that these things kind of um, point towards an, an amorphous center that is like uh, the artist or the intellectual. I think that's more helpful to me thinking about putting my own things together and especially the, they also talk about an exercise in the article of, of having another instructor read it who doesn't know you or, you know, uh, read it anonymously and, and try and put together, like, who this is back there. Like, what what kind of qualities would you ascribe to the instructor that, that exists behind these materials, these reflections? I find that super helpful, but I think that that is a little different than the reflections in 105, which is necessarily, at least my class is entirely freshman. Um, it is usually freshman or sophomores, am I correct in that? Um, occasionally, and uh, these are students who are, I don't know what the other audience would be, what the other, especially because they're having to write in various genres, they're having to try a lot of things on, they're having to try these things out. Um, I don't know what uh, kind of benefit they'd gain from putting a portfolio together for outside eyes. Um, I think that doing that work, that looking at and then looking through at themselves can be very helpful in terms of moving forward in their college career. But I can't imagine that a student's going to be applying for anything with the close reading I've made them do. I don't know. I, I wonder if that's not that's not accurate. And I hope that these things can be like maintained in the long run. But I um, I think it's telling that the the ePortfolio article, the two classes that the author was working with, were masters and PhD students, and then like I think one junior undergrad, right? Um, that these are things that are kind of kind of directed at something. And, and she says in the article multiple times that this is like, we think in categories, not 
she's trying to break us thinking about these as like as pure applications or as fulfillments of categories. But often that's what a portfolio is. And that can be very helpful in terms of like beginning to structure something. And I can see something in 105 being helpful in terms of putting those skills together. But I, I wonder what those outside eyes would be. I don't know what an assignment would look like for that. I was thinking of a, a letter to the students in the next semester mm. of the class. Like, here's how you do this class, or here's how I did this class. But this is kind of a strange tangent here. Um, it's making me think back on the piece that we read about four or five weeks ago by Colin Brook, which was Composition as Post-Human Practice. And that article really came down hard on reflection. It was casting reflection as kind of this modernist paradigm that doesn't really take into account the complexities of the world or is um and when you were talking uh, and we were talking about whether this is for the instructor or for the self it made me maybe recognize a little bit of that critique a little bit if like if reflection is just all about my subject or my subjectivity that could be a kind of naive way of thinking about how the world works um and so I'm just circling back to that piece and wondering if there is some connection here or maybe even deficiency in reflection. Are we not giving reflection enough, you know, breathing room to become everything it can be? Or is it kind of really constrained? It's more for yourself. And, you know, if it is more for yourself, then this whole idea that we're using it for assessment takes on some other valences, I think. I have to admit as an undergrad and even sometimes in my master's program when I was asked to write reflections, particularly at the end of the semester, like I'm asking my own students to do, I often found myself writing to the professor even if I was reflecting, even if I, you know, was writing to Jenny, writing to myself, I knew that my professor was the audience and I hoped that writing well in that reflection would lead me to get an A in the class. So I can sort of see now some of the points that that author was making. I also sometimes found myself thinking that, you know, having to work on this you know, assignment where I was assigning myself a grade or reflecting was taking time away that I wanted to be spending doing my own research or working on my seminar paper. And so, you know, thinking back about it from a student's perspective, I'm kind of able to see more both sides. Now as an instructor, though, I do really want my students to reflect. Um, so I, I think I, I know that I need to do more thinking about how to make reflection feel relevant and important for students because I don't agree with that author. I don't think that it's a bad thing or a waste of time, but it can start to feel that way as a student. Um, what do you guys think? What do you think are ways to like avoid those kinds of assignments falling or starting to feel like, you know, busy work? I mean, my understanding of the of the polemic against reflection in that piece is that is not only that it, it locks you into a very kind of uh, self-centered and like strict, like very strict divide between like self and other or whatever you want to call it, um, between your yourself and the outside world and that you were like a singular self commenting on it. It also limits you to a very, a very kind of strictly teleological temporality that like, 
is what I was, I think, talking about earlier in terms of goal orientation, right? Of like, I think that reflecting on um, reflecting on pieces to fulfill some so some sort of like category to fulfill some sort of like goal that is either set out by yourself or by an instructor is the is the kind of thing that is being railed against. And so I guess I agree more with him than I originally thought. But thinking about thinking about reflection is something that is kind of constantly undergone and constantly reevaluated between like yourself and the world and like what are these kind of relationships um, that you're writing to like create and identifies. And I think that's sort of where I am interested more in reflection as something that is focused on on like present moment and discovery and something that can kind of be like tracked through as opposed to something that is that is uh, taking you know two points in time uh, then and now and like did I accomplish what it looks like over this amount of time so I don't know I think reflection is very amorphous and and I I, that's part of why I'm hesitant to lock it into something that that becomes another genre um, that is very constrained, especially so early in someone's writing career. Yeah. Um, and I apologize for continuing to jump in. But while you were speaking, I just started to get this vision of a mirror and the ways that we're almost speaking metaphorically sometimes when we're thinking of reflection. And the Brooke perspective is that reflection is looking inward. I'm going to just look inward. But there's no reason why you couldn't, you know, turn that mirror and reflect outward. And I think maybe that's what is being advocated here a little bit. So I remember um, there was some breaking of the boundaries of the classroom in the Yancey article as well. Go back in your life and think about three learning events that were important to you or three struggles or something. So it seems like you could... Um, very deliberately mm -hmm. say find some cultural artifact that informs who you are or find some other person that you know like push it outward in some ways yeah absolutely yeah i guess like we've been saying it feels like a very amorphous thing so i have a hard time determining what is a reflective activity and maybe what isn't so if i start off a class by posing a question like what is a writing voice since we just recorded a podcast and we've written an article and sort of thinking together as a class like what is voice like why are you changing your voice in these settings like having a discussion like that and I think Brennan you do a bit of just more open seminar type discussion that feels very reflective and collaborative to me or even even the peer review process I think and Yancy I think talked a bit about that um being sort of a reflection-based activity where you are providing this feedback for people and you're learning things about how you write. And I think um, just naturally, and I'm not sure if this is going to work or not, but in that reflection activity that I assigned um, based on the podcast, it part of it was um, I wanted a little bit of a, a paragraph about, um, I guess, sort of their experience listening to each other's podcast episodes as well. And I think so it, they couldn't finish the reflection until we'd done that sort of peer review. Um, so I'm not sure if that's getting at anything different than what we've been saying. But I think, I think, yeah, thinking about reflection more broadly and not getting so anxious when we don't have a reflection activity like built in our syllabi yet. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful. I think this conversation has had kind of a meta focus in that we are all reflecting on our own roles as instructors and, and what we're going to do the next time we teach and how we might adjust something. So it feels very, um, I don't know, integral in some ways. Things we're asking of students, we're also practicing ourselves. And I don't think we've exhausted 
all of the possibilities of reflection. I think there's a whole lot more. Um, but we are about out of time, so we'll have to pick up on this thread in another podcast. And I look forward to everyone joining us next week. Uh, thank you to Jenny, Krista, and Brennan. And uh, tune in next time for another episode.